Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Hey everybody. Thanks for checking out 83 weeks today. Eric and I greatly appreciate your support. But right here at the top of the show, before we get started today, I wanted to send a shout out to friend of the show, Jay Fratt, who tweeted me a picture yesterday. And uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out here. He says, I'll just leave this here. And then it's a screenshot that says old mortgage number of months left 317 new mortgage number of months left 240 months off of loan 77. Think about that. 77 house payments gone. Years off loan 6.4. Total savings $206,906.53. That's worth repeating. $206,906.53. This is what Jay saved at SaveWithConrad.com. He made sure to put in the tweet Oh, by the way, my monthly payments went up a whopping $13. Thank you to Larry, Jennifer, Philip, and the entire team for making this decision super easy to go through. Cannot recommend looking into this info enough. So there you go. Savewithconrad.com. Save Jay and his family $206,906. And in order to save that money and cut 77 payments off of his loan, he's paying $13 extra a month. Step one is to go to savewithconrad.com. Step two is to do a quick application, either online or over the phone. And step three is for us to give you three or four different money saving ideas. And once you finish step four and pick the right option for you, you're off to the races. It really is that easy. This is a real life example of someone who listens to this show and then went to savewithconrad.com to take my challenge. Find out how much money you can save for free. It's no cost. It's no obligation and you don't need perfect credit. So why wouldn't you do this? And oh, by the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states, so we can help more families than ever before. So even if you've taken a look once upon a time into refinancing, it's worth another look right now. It was worth nearly 207 grand to Jay. Find out how much money you can save right now at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? You won't have to make your payment in July or August. You're done until September 1st. Come September, you've got a better mortgage. Get out of debt now. Keep more of your own money. Go to SaveWithConrad.com. You know, finding the person you want to spend the rest of your life with is great, but you got to hate all the pressure of what's next. Of course, there's all the engagement talk, but then there's the pressure of actually shopping for a ring, the hassle, the haggling, finding a store to trust, trying to figure out what the heck the four C's are. Discounts, sales, coupons, styles, all the nonsense, but at least those are all fantastic reasons to put off getting engaged. And that's why guys have really grown to hate Steven singer. He takes away every excuse in the book for not buying the ring. And he makes it so easy. I hate Steven singer. Steven singer is a Philly jeweler. Who's been making it too easy to buy real diamonds for over four decades. 
He specializes in diamond engagement rings and has a staff of real experts, real jewelers, real people that are ready to help you find the perfect ring or gift at the perfect price. There's no call center. There's no sales. There's no haggling. There's no promo codes. There's no discounts, just the best price possible guaranteeing the best value every single day. Check out Steven at the other corner of eighth and walnut in Philly or online at I hate Steven singer.com always with fast and free shipping. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. And Eric, it's going to be time for a different type of episode today. We're celebrating the 25th anniversary of the NWO. And just like the NWO broke all the rules, we're breaking the rules on our own show today, Eric. We are indeed. And sometimes rules just are dying to be broken. And I think we're going to shatter them here. I can't wait. I'm really excited. We're, uh, we're throwing out the format boys and girls, and we've got, uh, a third man who is the third man. We've got a very special guest joining us here today on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, yo, <laughs> <laughs> Scott Hall, the bad guy. He's here with us. What's going on, Mr. Hall. How are you, sir? Hey, Hey, Conrad. Hey, easy. Thanks for having me guys. Oh, we're yeah, excited we're to be here. It, Scott, I don't know if you listen to our podcast much, but we typically, as a rule, in the three and a half years we've done this show, we haven't had a guest yet. We've had a couple of people stop in for a minute or two, but we've never officially had a guest. So uh, all of us, and especially other people that listen, really appreciate it, me in particular. Well, hey, I'm, you did a lot for me. Happy to pay you back, brother. All right, let's get into it, Conrad. Well, I mean, I guess before we go any further, I mean, it's kind of cool to see the NWO now in the Hall of Fame. Scott, this makes you a two-time Hall of Famer. And hey, Eric's in too. That was a pretty cool moment earlier this year. I remember before the pandemic became a factor and Mark Carano still works for the WWE. And he spoke to me and he talked about, you know, the WWE was going to go in, it was going to be Kev, Hulk, and I, along with Pac. And at that time, the plan was, and then at the, at the thing, we're going to call Eric up on stage and put him in with you guys. But we want to keep that all kayfabe. And I was thinking, that sounds really cool. But then I was sitting here thinking, but I'm, I'm going to make sure my buddy E is aware of it. So he's wearing a nice tux and all that stuff. Like, you don't want him to hit you with that cam and you're sitting in the audience picking your nose or something. So <laughs> I don't know. It, it, I never had to make that decision because it never worked out, but 
I mean, the way I said it before, I was lucky and honored enough to go in this race. I mean, if it means you're better than everybody else, hell, I'll take one. I'll take two. <laughs> we, uh, we just passed the 25th anniversary of your first appearance on Monday Nitro. Eric and I watched it back and sort of broke it down in great detail. Uh, I'd like to just talk about that day. Uh, Eric has told the story that I think he uh, picked you up in a Porsche or pick up the story from there, Eric. What, what did that day I, look like? I think, I think, I think you were in a Jaguar, weren't you? It seems like it was a red Jaguar to me, but I don't remember. I remember we'd never really, we hadn't spoke till that time. And we were, I remember we were driving to Macon, weren't we? E? Yeah, it was. Uh, from, yeah, we were going to Macon, and we were just kicking around some ideas. And I had just, my last appearance had been the famous curtain call in Madison Square Garden. So I'm I'm really happy. I, I have my previous experience at WCW hadn't been too satisfying, but I was in a different spot now. And, you know, Turner was giving out that guaranteed money. And WCW, I mean, WWE wasn't at that time. Like a lot of things changed that night at the garden. You know, all of a sudden when I left and then Kev left, uh, everybody started getting guaranteed money. Now they have these 90 day can't compete clause. You know, none of that was going on back in those days. And to me, another factor why it works so well is that the internet wasn't such a big presence. Right. Like nobody, nobody knew I was jumping, you know? So a lot of factors came together and, and to me, it seemed real. I mean, the, I remember some of the guys in the WCW locker room were thinking that we got still got paid by Vince. So and we knew we knew if the other wrestlers were were fans of of the angle, that it was working pretty well. Hey, Conrad, I'm going to take just a second and talk about what's going on this weekend, man. It's it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm going to be participating in a celebrity uh, softball and golf event next weekend. But a couple good friends of mine are coming in a little bit early. Hacksaw Jim Duggan is going to be here. Sonny Ono is going to be here. Ernest the Cat Miller is going to be here. They're bringing their wives. And since they're getting in a couple days early, I've got a plan, man. I am going to be grilling. That's right. I'm going to get out my Rectech. I've been polishing it up. It is all pretty. looks brand spanking new, and it is ready to go. Let's take just a second to talk about Rectech. Rectech offers wood pellet grills fueled by all-natural hardwood pellets, and they also have other outdoor lifestyle products, such as coolers, apparel, grill accessories, and a whole bunch more. And Rectech has grills for every lifestyle and every budget with a key focus on flavor, convenience, and the big one for me, versatility. All Rectech grills are made with high quality stainless steel and they are built to last a lifetime. Now, the Rectech Lifestyle Series of Grills, and this is a part I really dig, man. This is a this was a deal maker for me. They feature these gold standard PID Wi-Fi controllers. This is the same form of temperature control that's used in commercial baking, brewing, and even pharmaceuticals. And get this, you can control your grill virtually anywhere in the world via the Rectech app. Turning on your Rectech, turning it down, turning it off. You can even monitor the temp the internal temperature of the whatever it is you're grilling. I really watch 
uh, the internal temperature of my chicken and my meat when I'm using my Rectech, and it works unbelievably. Rectech uses a ceramic igniter rod versus the fragile steel igniter, and those things are just gimmicks. That's what their competitors use. And Rectech igniters, get this, they're rated for over 270 years of everyday grilling. I don't even think I could wear it out. And Rectech has brought back old school customer service with an emphasis on making everyone feel like a member of the Rectech family. They offer industry leading bumper to bumper warranties on all of their grills with a 30 day money back guarantee. And you're going to love this, Conrad, because I know you love saving money. Rectech factory direct pricing eliminates the middleman and makes you the winner. All grills ship free. All orders over $99, ship free. Now, I have the flagship model, the Rectech RT700, and it comes with a 40-pound pellet hopper. What does that mean? It offers users roughly 40 hours of continuous cooking time. That is a lot of cooking. It's got 702 square inches of cooking space with Rectech's PID Wi-Fi controller, and it has a six-year bumper-to-bumper warranty. This is the cool part, brother. You can bake. You can smoke, you can sear, you can grill, and you can even dehydrate on Rectech. All with the push of a button, and that's why those in the know choose Rectech. Now, Rectech is incredibly active on social media with tons of online resources, and they go live every weekday with cooking demonstrations for their grills. Visit Rectech.com and follow Rectech on social media. It is more than a grill. It is a lifestyle. Scott, what were you, you know, when you came in, and honestly, you know, Conrad and I talk about this a lot. You know, this shit all went down 25 years ago. So for me, it's hard to remember accurately certain details. Like for the, you know, the last couple of years doing this podcast, I thought I picked you up in my Porsche. But actually, that wouldn't have made sense because as big as you are, I would have borrowed my wife's car, and my wife did have a Jag at the time. Wow. It, 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 was, a, it was a red convertible Jag, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense now. And that's just one example of, you know, how our memories, you know, over the years have just, you know, and not, not quite as clear on some things. But when you came in, I don't think you and I had talked at all about creative. Do I remember that right? Yeah, we hadn't spoken at all. We At that time, everything was just business and it went through Barry Bloom and we hadn't spoken creatively at, at all. And I think that's one of the other things. Well, and you hit it, Scott. You know, the internet wasn't around, so there was no way to pe- for people to speculate. There was very little dialogue. But when did you find out? I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, Conrad, ahead of the day of. But what, when did, Scott, do you remember when we started talking about what the angle was actually going to be? I... I actually don't. I remember we were standing around somewhere in like a production office backstage in Macon. And I was just so happy that I had left WWE and I didn't get hurt. And, you know, there was about a half or a third of a house in Macon. And I said, well, you know, I just left Madison Square Garden sold out. So I've already had, you know, I've already been in front of sold out crowds. And I want that money in the bank. You know, I'm not going to be a, a mark for myself. So I remember kind of standing around. I remember you, there was talk about, well, just, you know, he's going to walk down the aisle. We're going to play music. We're not going to play music. And there was this discussion. I remember Larry Zabisco, who I'm a big mark for, 
was in the meeting because he was an announcer at the time. And he was like, no, 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 he doesn't work for us. He's got to come through the crowd. I remember that was Larry's contribution. It worked out being, it worked out being really kind of crucial. How did you feel when you were walking through that crowd? I mean, did, especially since you didn't know where the story was going. Did, what was that like for you, man? Well, it felt really cool because to walk out and then people pop for you. And I remember something, and I think maybe, I think you gave me the lead on this, Eric, is when I interrupted the match, and it wasn't jabronis, it was a couple guys that I, I knew both of them. Uh, Mike, Mike Enos was one of them. I can't remember the other guy's name. Yep. But I, I was just supposed to hit the ring and grab the mic and start talking. And like, not hit the ring and beat them up and then hit the sirens. Ooh, angle alert, angle alert. You know, we were... I think you said, no, just don't go to them. They're just, cause it, then it looked great. Cause I remember Enos looking at me going, what are you doing, man? Like, you know, it, it, I think that was the start of it being kind of real, you know? And, uh, I don't know. It was, it was a good time since then. I think every week after that, the crowds got bigger, the ratings got better and we were off to the races. So I hate to bring up some controversy here, but Eric and I've been debating and I think you're going to be on my side. Why do you think the NWO worked? Is it because you guys had, had been through WCW before as diamond stud and Vinny Vegas, and it just didn't really work out. You didn't feel like you were treated the right way. And now you're back for revenge or because the audience at home thought, holy shit, razor and diesel are on WCW and they're taking over. You were such a dick, Conrad. <laughs> now, in my opinion, it worked because after the, you know, I guess after the story came out or, you know, we, we were still the same looking guys that, uh, in the backstory was kind of like, well, we were disgruntled. You know, we never got an opportunity at WCW. And once we got an opportunity, wow, look what happened. We ended up on top. Now, the, the storyline, the way I perceived it, I don't remember us ever sitting around and discussing it. In my head, the way I looked at it was like, yeah, Vince sent us here to take over. Mm. Because there was times whenever a WCW guy would leave the company or somebody would leave WCW to go to WWE, they would have a, a, a little highlight reel of the guy getting beat, usually by Sting, and then they would say, where the big boys play? And the giant's hand would crush something. And <laughs> I remember thinking I was just kind of bush, you know, but. <laughs> what was, when you got to the, to the building in Macon, what was, what did it feel like for you backstage? Because you, you'd been there before, but now you're coming back. You'd had a ton of success. As you just said, you're coming off a big sold-out show at Madison Square Garden. Was the talent, you know, when you were around me, because I remember, you know, quite a bit of that as we were prepping for you and, and kind of working through your interview and all that. It seemed to me like the talent was all pretty excited to see you. But did you feel any, you know, colder vibes, anybody kind of lukewarm or was everybody pretty excited to see you? Well, I mean, in the wrestling business, you learn as you move up the ladder that guys, everybody's going to be nice to your face, especially if they think you're high up on the pecking order. You know, but I remember, but at that point I'd been in the business for a while. So I just as soon get along with everybody. But if I don't, I don't really care. The money is guaranteed. 
my seven foot buddy is going to be joining me in a couple of days. So, you know, I already got, <laughs> I got my friend. I don't need any more. But I remember thinking as it, as it started to roll, as we started to gain steam, I remember that I'll never forget Brian Knobs and the Nasty Boys going, oh my God, these, these assholes have come in and now, now we got to run house shows. Because the business started to improve at that time, business was so bad, they weren't even running house shows. Wow. You know, just television and that was it. And so once business got better, so you're asking a bunch of pro wrestlers to wrestle and they don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was unbelievable. Like, they're mad at us because we started to draw a crowd. <laughs> it sounds like Brian. You actually do a pretty good Brian Knobs impersonation, I might add. That was pretty good. Uh, I've been around him since he broke in. Oh, my God. So a few weeks ago, I uh, took my parents to the beach for their uh, 41st wedding anniversary. And while we were down there, Mom started teasing Dad that, uh, well, something he said for a lot of years might not be true. He had been saying for a long time, well, my hair will turn gray, but it'll never turn loose. But mom was sort of razzing him saying that she's been finding more and more hair in the shower. I immediately gave dad the pro tip, dude, gotta try keeps. And by the way, I got so nervous. I got some too, because two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. And dad was lucky. Dad was in his sixties before it happened, but I'm trying to get a jump start, baby. I don't want to let it happen to me. You see more than 50 million men in the U S suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Check this out. Keeps offers both. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. They've got convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. So you don't even have to leave your home. And how about this low cost treatments that start at just $10 per month and keeps even offers the generic versions, discreet packaging, and of course, proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so act fast. Don't wait until it's too late. It's called Keeps for a reason. Keep the hair you've got right now, bud. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash 83 weeks to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash 83 weeks to get your first month for free. That's keeps.com slash 83 weeks. Keeps.com slash 83 weeks. So let's go back a little bit and let's talk about how this all came to be. I think the legend goes diamond Dallas page and you were in touch Scott and somehow, uh, Dallas puts a bug in Eric's ear about your contract status. Is that the way you remember it going down? Um, I know Dallas has always been a factor and, and he, he enjoys helping other people. So I'm sure he, you know, he, he helped with any influence he had. The way I remember things getting started was, um, kid X-Pac was in Barry Bloom's office in LA and he, and Barry had the way I remember it Barry had had a conversation with Eric about kid coming in and so and the thing is when you're working for Vance and you're in a top spot like Razor was at that time 
you're so busy making shows. And then if you're lucky enough to, to make it to a top position, then you're doing all the extra stuff. You're doing the free meet and greets, but it's for a big sponsor. You're here, you're there, you're at a kid's hospital. And these are all great things to be a part of, but it takes up a lot of time. So, you know, I wasn't sitting around thinking about what's my fair market value. I was thinking, man, I hope I have time to eat before I get to the building. And, uh, when I heard what they offered kid, I remember going, damn, I said, let's talk to bear. I said, find out how bad they want me, you know, cause, and that's, to me, that's what started the ball rolling. I, I, I had no intention of even thinking about leaving, but then you know, like when I heard what they were offering kid, I went, well, damn. And that's what started rolling for me. Yeah. And at that time I was, I was in regular contact with Barry. So that, that that's plausible. Could have easily happened exactly the way you remember it. So yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of things going on at once that I don't remember. You know, I think the phrase I've heard you use before, Scott, is you know, and we don't we don't have to talk specifics, but the range of the compensation you were looking for or you received was what was known in the business. At least I believe you've coined this term, sting money. Does that ring a bell? You were looking for sting money. Well, yeah, and the thing is, I remember when um, Barry, now I'm signed with Barry, and the thing, and, and uh, he's negotiating with WCW for me, and he's going, well, they offered this and this and this for so many days, and I was thinking, well, shit, hell yeah, when do I start? He goes, so I told him, never mind, you'll just stay where you are. And I was thinking, like, whoa, I would have taken that, you know? But I mean, that's why he's so good at his job. You know, he held out, negotiated and, you know, I don't know. It's a lot different when you're, when you're negotiating with Ted Turner's money versus Vince McMahon's money. And at that time, you know, when I, when I first started for Vince, they just come, they were weathering the steroid scandal, you know, houses were down, business was down, everything, morale was down, everything was horrible. You know, and then to go, <laughs> Ted Turner had so much money. He was just producing a wrestling show just to have programming for his TV networks. Yeah, it's definitely a different dynamic. And, you know, you sort of laid the groundwork earlier. You had been through this, you know, territory, quote unquote, before, and it wasn't the most enjoyable experience. What was more important? You know, I mean, uh, Jim Ross sometimes says it always comes down to cash and creative, but you've just acknowledged you never really even talked creative until you're with Eric the day of your first show. So it was definitely about the money, but were the number of dates equally as important as the amount of money? Well, yeah, because I mean, what I learned working for the WWE is it's only paper. The money is only paper until you get to spend it. You know, if you don't get to spend it, it, What's the point? You know, what's the point? Like, I don't plan on dying with a lot of money in the bank. I am going to spend mine. I've got insurance laid out for my kids. I plan on spending every penny I got. I'm not leaving anything behind. <laughs> that, well, I mean, I never, I came up, I never had any money when I started out. So I, I plan to go out with the same bank balance, you know? And I mean, <laughs> thank God, Eric. Thank you, Eric, for that NWO because. I'm finally going to leave the house this weekend. I got three signings in the New York area and I'll be darned if when we go, I'm sure you see it. E too. you go to these appearances, praise God. There's always a long line. I mean, 
I'm, I'm amazed I haven't wrestled in forever, and there's always a line. But now there's little kids will come up to you with the NWO shirt, throwing a wolf pack up, and it's like, I'm going, you weren't even born when this was happening. And they'll talk to you about the whole angle. You know, so thank you to WWE Network for, you know, keeping us, keeping us vital and all those guys in WWE merch for coming out with sweet merch. <laughs> you know, thank you. Now, I, I talked to Kevin a couple of days ago. And we were talking about Bitcoin, of all things. Well, you know Kevin better than I do, so you, you know well how we ended up in that conversation. But we did start talking about WWE merchandise. And according to Kevin, it's still burning up. It's still going crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm making six figures just off merch. Wow. Yeah. And, and every once in a while, you know, when you make an appearance, then you get paid more. And the funny part is, like, now that I hardly ever work for them or hardly do anything, the payoffs are way better. It's always first-class airfare. They always have a driver at the airport. Now, when I was when I was still in seats for them and traveling all around the world, I couldn't get shit. I was sitting, <laughs> you know, in the back. In the, in the back, in the middle seat, you know, back when they had smoking seats, I was usually in smoking, you know, four guys piling into a four tourists that we pay for ourselves, staying in the motel four, you know, because we're paying for our own hotels. And just, it's like when you, when you, when you don't need the money is when they give it to you. Like I came into to WCW with a nice fat contract. Thank you, E. But I mean, first class air, rental cars. You know, buy every, you know, everything. And I can afford it now. I can afford my own room. I can afford my own car. But when you can afford it, then it's free. Now, when I was starving to death and sleeping three to a room, you know, there was no help then. Hey, man, let me smarten you up on something that I learned, I guess, what, last year? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. I learned this the hard way. But here's a pro tip for you. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody. Oh, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like an airline. RockAuto.com is for everybody. They don't require a membership or an account login. They want to save you some cash. And this is really proven out for me and my family. I think I mentioned this a while back. I got my dad his dream Corvette, an old classic way back when, uh, but I got it for him on his 60th birthday a few years ago. Well, those cars occasionally are going to need parts. We couldn't find anything locally. You know who could hook us up? RockAuto.com. You see, RockAuto.com is where I went for my family because RockAuto.com is a family business, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for more than 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all of your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They literally have something for everybody. We're talking stuff from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, hell, motor oil, even carpet. That's right, carpet for your car. Now, this is not just for old classics. This is for your daily driver, too. You can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your front door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate so easy even jr could do it quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specs and prices you prefer now best of all prices at rockauto.com once again reliably low all the time and more importantly for me they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why in the world would you spend up to twice as much for the same doggone parts 
Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And please write 83 weeks in their How did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Guys, this is critically important. We know you're going to love rockauto.com. We know you're going to find everything you need for your car or truck, whether it's a daily or a classic. And we know that you're going to love the reliably low prices all at rockauto.com. But if you can do us this one small favor, when you get to that, how did you hear about us? Checkout box, make sure you write in 83 weeks and let them know that Eric Bischoff sent you. That's rockauto.com. Scott, I don't want to bounce around and Conrad, I apologize to you for this because I know you, you, you've got a, a theme here in your head. But this is a question, as long as I've known you, Scott, I've known you for a long time. I knew you when you were the Diamond Stud, when you were so mistreated by WCW that you, you were so vengeful that you came back with Kevin and started stopping a mud hole and everybody starting with me. But <laughs> where did you break into the business? I was trained by Hiro Matsuda in, in uh, Tampa. And my first experience was wrestling. You know, I, I was living in Tampa, bouncing in bars. And I used to go to the wrestling shows every Tuesday night in Tampa. Then every Wednesday morning, I would go down to the Sportatorium on North Albany and watch the TV tapings. And, and uh, I ran into Barry Wyndham, who was a huge star at that time. Still is to me, but at that time, red hot. I ran into him in a grocery store, and and at that time, Tampa too. You know, you had the USFL, you had the Tampa Bay Bandits, you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you got college football, you got wrestlers. There was a lot of big muscle heads walking around Tampa, and uh, I was in the grocery store and ran into Barry, and I said, "Hey, Barry, what are you doing, man?" He goes, "Hey, you're a big son of a gun. What do you do, man?" I said, "I'm trying to do what you do." And uh, he goes, well, meet me down. You know, so, I, you know, I met him at the Sportatorium and it was the first time I was ever in a ring. With Matsuda, you just did calisthenics. So I met Barry and then I started making road trips with Barry, doing this old school thing. Sit in the back with the case of beer. You, you're the beer tender. You just keep the driver and the guy in the front seat, you know, loaded with fresh beers and uh, sit around and watch. And, you know, I would watch him talking to each other before the matches and just, you know, like I remember when I was first breaking in, I would watch the matches on TV and I'd go, how can they remember all that stuff? Like, how can you remember move after move and what to do and what he's going to do? And, and then I realized later, you just talk to the guy, you know, you just, just talk to him and no one can tell. And it just was such an eye opening experience for me. Barry was so good to me and he introduced me to Dusty and, I actually had my first match in the Charlotte territory when Dusty was there. And, and uh, it just, I was so lucky that when I broke in in late 84, I never had another job besides pro wrestling ever. So, and like a lot of guys, a lot of guys these days, you know, there's only wrestling on weekends. Back when I was working, you know, there was wrestling every night of the week. So, and Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, Eric. My bad. No, no, no. You go. You go. You go. You'll keep this train on the track. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, when you make your first appearance, because we just passed the 25th anniversary of that legendary promo, uh, that you delivered there in Macon. And of course, on the heels of that, there's going to be lawsuits going left and right from Stanford to Atlanta and back again. Did you think now that all the dust has settled 
Did you think you were consciously using your razor Ramon quote unquote accent when you did that promo? Were you trying to, to position yourself as razor undercover? Um, no, I remember one of the things that Barry got in my contract too, was like, I'm covered legally. You know, if anything happens, you know, I'm covered, but you got to remember I hadn't, the only interviews I'd done in the past few years was in that razor stick. Right. So that was, that was my go-to thing. You know, I wasn't doing it maliciously or anything like that. And I mean, when they sued me, I remember they, you know, they go, well, you got the curly cue. I go, yeah, well, here's a pitch from WCW with the, with the curly cue. And, you know, I remember that whole lawsuit thing I saw. I can't remember who was their lawyer's name, Eric. Uh, McDivitt. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him at, at triple H's 50th birthday. You know, it was a nice thing at Hunter's house on the lake in New Hampshire. And, and, uh, he was sitting at a picnic table with Vance and I just went high to say hi to Vance. And then he stood up and he goes, Oh, he goes, Mr. Hall. He goes, I just want to tell you, man, you're one sharp cookie. And I was thinking like, wow, like, thanks. I'm, I didn't realize I made that kind of impression on you, but thank you. You know, that was like a, a learning thing that whole, they deposed me for days. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. But, I, I wish, I wish WCW attorneys would have been as sharp as you. Cause they caved out all that. The toothpick you had as a diamond stud and the curly Q, you know, all, now you didn't have the accent. I'll throw that, that one up. I'll give that I, one. I never, I never talked. Yeah. I had doubt. So now you're back and, um, you know, you're going to go do one appearance in between where you tease that, you know, somebody's coming in and of course, uh, it winds up being Kevin. Do you guys sort of feel the, uh, the quote unquote heat from the locker room right away? I mean, if you had been reading the observer or the torch or whatever, uh, as a lot of the boys in the back, as people like to say, had, they knew all about the click and that it wasn't just Shawn Michaels group of fans out there in the crowd, you know, with the high pitched squeals. It's a band of brothers, if you will. And right or wrong, you guys had earned a reputation and maybe Kevin over the years said, you guys kind of enjoyed that. Just needle in the other guys and what have you. Did you feel like there was a shift when Kevin came in amongst all the other guys? Like, Oh God, what are we in store for? Well, at least now we're splitting the hate in half (laughs) And 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 I got my big buddy with me. You know, like a lot of my career in the WWE, and I, I traveled with Shawn Michaels, who at that time was a heat-seeking missile. And I stayed with him. And, then, you know, Kid came along. And and so when we would travel, I always had to keep an eye on those guys because they were the heat-seekers, and I was going to be the enforcer if need be. Once Big Kev came along, it was like, woo-hoo. <laughs> give, me a hand, give me a handful of pills. I'm off for the races. He's watching everybody's back. That's funny. That's funny. Did you not? I'm gonna, I was going to say, I'm going to tell you what I remember, but I want to hear from your perspective because you would have seen it and felt it differently than I did. But as the end, now here, once again, Conrad, I'm jumping ahead and I apologize, but these questions are just coming to me. There are things I've always kind of wanted to ask Scott. But as the end, when, after Kevin came in and we're getting ready for bash at the beach. It was pretty clear that NWO, the idea, that story, it wasn't even called NWO at the time. In fact, it wasn't called NWO till bash at the beach in Hogan's promo. 
But could you feel? When did you feel the momentum? When well, did we it, all we could all we could all have see your fingerprints on that. Because by the end of the interview, he's calling it the New World Organization of Wrestling, brother. So yeah. we know you gave him that verb. We, we know you gave him that verb. It's just like you gave me the you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. You know, like you, you, you always planted the first stake, and then we went, you went, well, I want you to say this. And I remember it was obvious you gave Hulk that because he, New World Order of Wrestling, brother. But by the end, it's the New World Organization. <laughs> Just say NWO Hulk. Well, that'll be okay. Come on, Conrad. Time to talk about my dog, Nikki. Anybody that's been listening to 83 Weeks for any amount of time knows how much I love my dog, Nikki. Nikki's a part of our family. I dare say she's a very important part of our family. And if you ever saw her hanging around with us, you'd know what I mean. Listen, because she's such a big part of our family, her health and nutrition is just as important to me as anybody else in my family. And a lot of times people forget that Dogs need healthy food too. And did you know that up to 80% of the immune system in a dog is influenced by the gut? Or supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health enables pets to better fight allergies and all kinds of other stuff. Solid Gold is passionate, and that's why I love this product. They are passionate about gut health and a healthy digestive system and how it positively impacts the immune system and the overall wellness of their pets. Solid Gold was the first holistic pet food company in America. Get this, not when it first started to get cool, not when everybody jumped on the bandwagon. No, way back in 1974, Conrad, I'm not even sure that you were a thought in your mommy and daddy's mind back then. Sissy McGill, she was a trailblazer, she was a visionary. And she was the pioneer who disrupted a male-dominated industry and created a natural pet food way the hell before it was cool. Sissy was inspired by European pet food and the fact that European Great Danes lived longer than their American counterparts. I love that. She looked at the situation, she looked at the data and said why, and realized that so much of it has to do with digestive health and what dogs eat. Well, she came up with her first recipe, Flocken. Believe it or not, I still remember a little German from high school. It means dog flakes in German. And now dog flakes have provided high quality nutrition and digestive health for over 20 generations of dogs. Solid Gold's nutritional platform was inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our dog's minds, body, spirit. Same thing with cats, it's so important. If you eat clean, you live clean. If you eat better, you feel better. It's true for dogs too, people and cats. For over 45 years, Solid Gold has revolutionized the holistic pet food category and they have a recipe for any dog or any cat's dietary needs, including healthy whole grain and grain-free options, wet food supplements like seal meal and 100% human grade bone broth for dogs. That's a whole new thing. Google the internet, ask about bone broth and all of the health benefits it provides to humans and for pets. Solid Gold Foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, balanced with living probiotics and fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids, supporting both gut health and nourishing your pet inside and out. Right now, to save 30% on select Solid Gold products, go to 
solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks. One more time for your pets. That's solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks to save 30% on select solid gold products. Remember, solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks. If you love your pets like I do, and I know you do, look out for their health the same way you look out for your own. Feed them things that will help their immune systems and allow them to be healthier, happier, better companions for the long run. But could you feel the shift? Could you feel it starting to click with the audience even before Bash at the Beach? Well, when I, it was cool because they were paying attention. You know, like I wasn't really getting that heel response. And I remember at that time doing, uh, and, and, and Kev, when Kev came out, like, because we left Vince as baby faces on top. And so, there was nothing really turning us. I remember, I remember doing radio interviews at the time, and the DJ would go, "Well, you know, oh, NWO, big thing. Like, are you guys the good guys or the bad guys?" And it'd be like, "Depends on how popular the other guy is, bro. Because if he's not at, at the very top, we're the we're the good guys." And it didn't really matter to us. We can work either way, as long as it, there's people in the seats. And they're cheering or booing. I don't really care who they cheer or boo for. Just come to the show and pay attention when I'm in the ring. That's always been my goal. I don't care what the finish is. I look good laying on my back. You know, so I, I just thought it was great. We knew it was working. And that's a real satisfying thing when when business is improving and you, you're one of the reasons why and people are acknowledging you. People say, wow, thanks, man. That's great. And you're going... You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. You know, like, it felt like we were all doing it together. From a, a third man standpoint, Eric and I have had fun with the reports that were, uh, you know, all the rumors that were in the torch and the observer and things like that about who it could be. And Eric has been pretty candid in saying that the backup plan was sting. When did you first hear the idea was Hogan and how likely did you think it was that he would drop the old yellow and red and come over. I remember, uh, I didn't have any relationship with Hulk at that time. You know, I think I may have met him once, but you know, I, I didn't know him at all. I didn't know what he was thinking. I knew that I watched their show and it was got to the point where I think they did an hour pre hour tape and then they went live at the second hour and Hulk Hulk, confirmed it later but watching it and the fans would count down and once they knew they were live on the air they started chanting Hogan sucks Hogan sucks and I remember talking to Hulk you know one time after things had kind of taken off and the NWO's really blowing up and he goes man I gotta I gotta admit to you bro when when they're chanting Hogan sucks like that he man he goes it gets to you I'm saying, yeah, I bet it does, especially after you've been the biggest thing in wrestling to now have a bunch of dudes who can't get a date all turn on you like, wow, you know. He, it felt really good to me to see the relationship grow with Hulk and Kevin and I that, that when he did a job for Piper at Starcade in Nashville, and he had control. He didn't have to do anything he didn't want to do. He took Piper's sleeper. And we all, we, he came straight from the ring. Me and Kev were sitting in his limo. He jumped in the limo and we went right back to the hotel. 
And he was so excited having just, just done a job. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps now because I'm going back there in my mind. He was so happy. We said, now Hulk, now what you do is as a heel, you just lie about it. I said, like tomorrow on Nitro, you go, well, who's next? You know, I beat Piper up, beat the skirt off him. You know, <laughs> I said, and you, I said, if you lie, then people go, Hogan, we saw you. I said, that's something you've never done. Now you got to cheat. You got to lie, you know, and he was, it was cool to see a guy who had been at the top and then, you know, and then it was kind of, to me, it seems like the fans were taking him for granted. You know, and here's a guy who delivered wrestling to this place where it is. And then everybody's like, ah, screw you. Like, I was just really happy that he got a new, you know, shot at his career. And I got to be a small part of it. We we often talk about how, you know, Hulk was the third man. and, And because you guys had all been superstars in New York, it really made it work. What you're trying to sort of position yourself as sort of a hostile takeover. And that's even the language that was used in the promos. But as you sort of alluded there, for whatever reason, at the time, Hulk Hogan wasn't quote unquote cool, but you and Kevin were, uh, how were you able to sort of change his perception? I just want to footnote that and say me and Kevin are (laughs) (laughs) correct. Correct. Either you are cool or you're not. And you guys have always been cool. And and, and, there's no expiration, there's no expiration date on cool. No, no. Totally agree. What would your family do with an extra $108,000? That's a problem that our listener Jacob out in Colorado has now. Thanks to SaveWithConrad.com, He recently saved money with us over at SaveWithConrad.com. gave us a five-star review and wrote this. Our previous mortgage company made each step of the process difficult, but Jimmy took it in stride and made it happen. He was able to lock us in at one and a half percent less than we were at and saved us $108,000 over the life of the loan. Guys, that's unbelievable. Jacob saved more than hundred and eight grand. But how much can you save? It's free to find out right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And oh, by the way, did we mention no house payments for two months? And we're licensed in more than 40 states. So what are you waiting for? Start saving money today at savewithconrad.com. So it, it felt like he had sort of fallen out of favor with a lot of the quote unquote, smart wrestling fans. And I'm curious how conscious were you and Kevin of how can we help change that? There's been stories and I don't know if you've ever talked about this, but there's been rumors that even when you guys were doing those pre-tapes, sort of the black and white videos, it was quick cuts because Hogan had sort of fallen into at the time. Well, this is the way I do promos and it needed to change a little bit. And what we saw was a totally different version of what professional wrestling could be with the black and white and the, and the weird angles. And it changed everything and, and, and promos and pre-tapes and all that looked different from then on the vignette had changed forever. Can you take us back to those days when you're shooting those and tell us what the process was? Well, Kevin and I had this fantasy or were under the impression or whatever that, that if the NWO got off strong enough that, you know, WCW had so much television at their disposal, they had hours, 
hours and hours on a Saturday. I think they had a morning show. Then they had the 605 show. They had something on Sunday afternoon. Then they had the Monday show. So we were trying, we was trying to get one hour of the Saturday show and make it NWO shoot in black and white, have different announcers. Like we wanted to have like our own brand where at that time, if, if wrestling fans are going, well, you know, who do you like WWE or WCW? We wanted them going, who do you like WCW or NWO? You know, we wanted to put our brand out there in the mix so that, you know, we're some of that, this, the odds are tilted towards our side. Cause there's two options, but, uh, I remember, yeah, doing we we were doing the black and whites and uh, short edits and stuff. And I remember, you know, we were doing our things, and and we're with Hulk, and he had a, he just had a different wrestling style. You know, he he's from a different era than we were. He started ahead of us, had huge success, and we're both marks for him. So it's not like we can give him any. You know, I don't feel comfortable, you know, like correcting him you know, or, or making a suggestion. So I remember we, I think uh, the guy's name was Drew, maybe. I can't remember who was like the crew guy on the shoot with, on the first one of those black and white shoots. Yeah. But we got, we got Neil, Neil Pruitt. And we actually looked at him like, whoa, what the fuck, man? He went, he went, don't worry, I can fix this, you know? So then when it, when it played, it was all edited and everything looked great. So that's when we knew, wow, you always have a friend in post-production. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Scott, every once in a while, somebody will send me one of those videos on social media or it'll pop up somewhere somehow. And a lot of things that we did back then, you guys did back then as, as performers and entertainers, still really holds up well today. You know, a lot of times you go back and you look at something else. 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old. We're talking 25 years ago. And this stuff, as you said just a few moments ago, that shit does not have an expiration date. It still stands up. No, it does. It's, it's, uh, it amazes me, too, just to see some influence it's had on the WWE, you know, the, the way that, you know, now everybody has a 90-day no-compete. You know, everybody gets guaranteed money. Things that didn't happen until I left. You know, then Kev followed. I mean, they're, they're, I heard at that time, like, you know, guys like Taker and stuff were going, wait a minute, they're leaving? Like, they're on top and they're leaving. So they're not happy and they're not leaving. Well, hell, what, what about me? Then there started to be a little shakeup in the locker room where guys started saying, you know, some of the other guys were asking for their notes. That's when Vince laid down the guaranteed money and, and you know, reduced travel days and, you know, started, started treating the guys better. Because there was another viable option, you know, you could make a good living going to Turner and have fun. Like a lot of people were like, "Yeah, Turner's going to pay you, but you're never going to hear a crowd pop again. You're, you're never going to, you know, it's never going to be the wrestling business, you know." And me coming in the second go round, I'd, I'd already, I'd already been, you know, in front of sold out crowds. I'm, I'd already been the starving artist. Now I want the money. I don't care if anybody's there. I like it better if they're there, but if they're not, that's okay too. I've always loved your, your attitude towards business, uh, and the business of professional wrestling. And I was recently talking to, uh, Evan Husney and Jason Eisner, the guys who do dark side of the ring for vice. And they really wanted to talk to you and interview you for their warrior episode. 
because you had a totally different take from almost any other pro wrestler they ever talked to about warrior. And your attitude was, man, this guy has it figured out. He flies first class. He's got limo transfers. They put him up in five-star hotels. He gets his own dressing room. He works short matches and he makes the most money. That's a win. Has your, I never had it. I never had any problem with warrior. I never had any problem with one. The only problem I had with him was it's supposed to be flair and I, against Warrior and Macho at SummerSlam one year, back when there was only four pay-per-views a year. So we're main event on one of the floor. This is going to be one of the four. This is going to be a huge deal, huge payoff. And Warrior holds Vince up like he was known to do. And Vince just wouldn't wouldn't do it. He wouldn't cave. Because the finish initially that Vince told me was, I was going to cripple Randy Savage and send him to broadcast it. Oh, wow. And, yeah. But the thing is, then when you have a substitute, you got to feature the substitute. Mm. I mean, Kurt came in per- perfect flex me and Flair. You know, you know, we, we were going to, we were going to beat, we were going to cripple Randy, me. And then I think Flair, you know, Flair and, and Mots would have fought off in the corner and I was going to cripple Randy and put him in broadcasting. Wow. But that's why in those days, that's why they did it in pencil. I guess now you just hit the delete button, but <laughs> yeah. so chat me up. When did your attitude towards wrestling change or was it always that way? Meaning a lot of guys get into the business and they say, Oh man, I want to be champion and blah. I want to see all these beautiful countries and travel. And it feels like very quickly you learned, okay, there's one way to approach it, but I'd kind of like to make the money instead. Yeah. And the thing is too, like I learned really early on when I was, you know, six, six, about two ninety with abs doing jobs in an opening match in Kansas city for like Rufus R Jones. You know, I learned early on that it's a work, you know, everything's the only thing that's real is the money and the miles. Yeah. Everything else is a work. So, and once, I remember when I first came in working for Vince, they'd done a lot of vignettes of raises, going to get a big push. But I've also been around long enough, and I got Kurt, I got perfect in my ears, schooling me. Be humble, be humble. Don't say anything. Don't say anything to anybody. If you have to talk, come back by me. We'll go outside and take a car ride. Don't let anybody see you talk. Don't bitch in front of anybody. You know, he was really schooling me. And uh, so I was at TV, but they just had me there to watch. And so I had a dark match before the show and they wanted me to wrestle Tito Santana. Now Tito's a big deal and he, he doesn't do jobs at this time, but they want me to go out and they want me to go over Tito. So we're sitting there and, you know, we have the match and, you know, Tito calls the whole thing. He dives off the top cross body. I roll through, you know, pull his tights, one, two, three, slide out under the rope. Boom. I'm gone. And then, uh, You know, I go to the back and I get summoned to Vince's office. And Vince goes, well, uh, how'd it go? I said, Vince, that was Tito Santana, man. I said, we did what he wanted. It went great. He went, well, now, fine. You've told me what I want to hear. Now tell me how it really went. I said, Vince, I don't know if that's the way you want Razor working. But I said, that was Tito Santana. I said, we did what he wanted. And Vince said, you did the right thing. Okay. The next day, they give me Virgil. I'm standing out there and Chief Jay Strongwell comes up to me and he calls Virgil over and he goes, oh, they, want you, they want you to slip him over with something. 
And I looked at Burge. I said, what's your finish, bro? And, and it was like five hours before the bell. So it's like, it ain't like we don't have time. I said, all right, bro, I'll get with you later, man. All right, thanks, Virgil. And the chief comes to me and goes, he goes, you know, that was a test. The emperor, he's testing you. I said, chief, it's fake when you win. It's fake when you lose. And he looked at me like he had never heard that. And he ran back and told Vince that. <laughs> and that scored that, that scored me so many points with Vince. It's like, hey, man. Plus, then I, then I started spreading around like, hell, I look good laying on my back. I don't care. You know, I'm the bad guy. The bad guy dies at the end of the movie. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. I think that really helped me is, is when I broke in, I was around guys who weren't marks. Right. And one thing, when I, when I broke in, if they found out you had a problem doing a job, oh, my God, they would beat you every night. Like, if you said anything but yes, sir, when they gave you the finish, they would beat you every night. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't have a tolerance for that. I can't. When I saw that uh, A&E thing about Warrior, and they were talking about, Jake said, uh, Vince told him to go ask Warrior if he wanted to work with him. And I was like, holy cow. Like, Vince and Warrior had a crazy kind of relationship. Like, more personal than business. Just, I don't know. Like I said, my whole take on Warrior was, I had never worked with him. You know, he, he no-showed that one pay-per-view. So the next time I saw him, was at the Hall of Fame. Wow. So I was locking up with them. I was locking up with them in the back and I was going, Hey, come here. I never got to work with you. I was talking to him one time. I said, man, I didn't get a royalty payment for 13 years. He looked at me and he went 18. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, uh, you, you found a way to pay it back to a lot of good guys along the way. You mentioned Larry Zabisco and you, you famously worked a program with him. But you also helped out your buddy Diamond Dallas Page, and there's lots of rumor and innuendo that, uh, well, Eric Bischoff had a soft spot for his friend and neighbor Dallas Page, and I think the story goes you felt like maybe he was maybe being too hard on Dallas. Can you tell us that story? No, I remember one time. If you've ever been around Dallas, he's annoyingly positive. Yes, he's like the most positive cat in the world, bro, bro, bro. What story are you telling yourself, bro? And uh, so now I'm in a position where I can help my buddy. Plus, actually looking around that locker room, like who can I go out there and have a match with? Because I like to wrestle. So most nitros, I would wrestle and sometimes tags or sometimes Kev would just come out and stand with me. And But, I mean, so I'm looking around. I'm going, well, hell, give me Dally. I can I can have a match with him. doesn't matter what the finish is. And we, still th- we started talking about, you know, the angle with Dally, the angle with Dally. And, and it never really got done. And I think one time I asked Eric about it and Eric, again, this is the way I remember it. So I don't know how accurate it is, but it was like, yeah, but see, everybody knows he's my buddy and he's my neighbor. Like, you know, I, I don't want the heat to like pushing my buddy. I'm thinking like, well, hell, that's exactly the reason you push the guy. Cause he's your buddy. Like you don't want to put, you want to push some guy who's a jack off on the roster, but I don't really like him, but I'm going to push him. <laughs> push the guy you like. I don't know how it ended up happening, but when it happened, I was so happy. It was in New Orleans, yep. big house, and Dally was the first guy to touch the NWO. He gave me the diamond cutter. He backdrop Kev over the top rope, and you know it, it was so good. It was so great of a feeling. 
So at that time, Nitro would, would play three hours and then just immediately replay. So it was great if you were on last, you got to leave, go, you know, shower. And then, like, I think we were sitting in the hotel bar watching the thing. And Dallas comes out and does his segment, gets a huge reaction. But then he goes, they never mentioned it the rest of the show. So then he gets that. Now he, and Dallas is one of those guys who drinks a couple times a month. Like he's not a pro. So he starts hammering drinks down. And then I'm, my radar goes up. I'm going, oh my God. And we're in New Orleans and he's walking around with a chip on his shoulder. Something, oh my God, I got a bird dog Dallas, make sure he doesn't do anything stupid, you know. I'm the one who does the stupid stuff. <laughs> but uh, it was just great. It ended up working, and, you know, he ended up getting over, pretty substantially over. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, his career was changed forever, and a large part of that is because of the NWO. And, I mean, the NWO just did that for so many people, you know, whether it was yourself or Kevin Nash or certainly. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page and Hulk Hogan, but the other guy who we don't talk about a lot, the original backup plan for Hogan, man, Sting recreated himself. He's reinvented, and all these years later, people aren't cheering for Surfer Sting on AEW. It's the Crow gimmick, and everyone points to the the genius on the other end of the line with us right now and says that's a Scott Hall idea. How did the Crow thing come to be, as far as you recall? It was my very first TV we were just referring to earlier in Macon. And, you know, of course, the boys get there early, you know, we're there early. And, you know, I'm just wearing the, the denim vest and jeans, you know, for, for my opening segment and stuff. And I'm in there and Sting is, uh, you know, applying his makeup. And at this time, he's still wearing the surfer color, you know, neon happy guy tights. But he's letting his hair grow out. And, and I don't really know Sting. I mean, I never had any heat with him, but he was a top guy when I was there before. I was a bottom guy. We never, we didn't move in the same circles. We never wrestled. We never interacted. And uh, so he said, but I got, I'm one of them guys, like, if I think it, I say it. You know, I, I don't care what our relationship is. And so he's put his makeup on. I said, ah, you're growing your hair out, huh? He goes, yeah. I figured, well, okay. I said, I guess frying it, you know, all those years, like hard on it. He goes, yeah, man. Yeah, it was really starting to damage it. I said, well, that's cool. Grow it out. I said, you still going to wear the the happy guy tights? And, you know, he goes, yeah. And I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> now I remember why we didn't hang out. But I said, uh, <laughs> I, said, I, said, I, said I said, have you ever seen the crow? And he went like, no. I said, well, it's kind of cool. It's this dark character with the white face paint, you know, the dark lives. And I said, I said, I ain't telling you to rip off Taker, but rip off Taker. Because kind of the rule was, if you're in a different territory, eh, it's not quite as bad. And uh, I think it, the way I heard it, then I think he ran it by E, and they went yes, and we're off to the races. And to me, I didn't need, I don't need any credit from him. I mean, it was great when like Sting put me over and thanked me, but you know, to me, it's just like the right thing to do. Like, I just want to, I never knew Sting, you know, we're, we're a little friendlier these days, but to me, once you give a, you give a guy an idea and it works, you have a connection with that guy. You might, I've never made a road trip with Sting. Never, you know, I, we may have eaten dinner once or twice, but not much. And, but I can look across the locker room after that. And pointed him there. There's my boy. Yep. He's like, "What's up?" You know, like you get that kind of bond when I I don't know if it, it happens in other businesses because I've only been in the wrestling business. But 
you know, you can connect with guys on different levels. You might just give a guy an idea of a move to do and it gets over for him or something to say in an interview and it works. And though, you know, I never forget those guys who help. You don't forget the guys who help you and you don't get for the guys who screw you over. And Scott, I, I'm going to jump in because I don't think you're giving yourself quite enough credit here, which is unusual. You know, I mean, you're usually right there in the front, <laughs> but <laughs> that was a joke. But I do remember very specifically. Now, I can't remember what the what building it was, but I remember the room we were in. And you didn't just give Sting an idea in a passing conversation. And he didn't just take that idea and run with it. Because I remember specifically once the this, the crow thing started to evolve, I remember being it was me and Hulk and obviously Sting, Kevin. There was one or two other people in there, and you were in the center of the room, and you laid out his promos. You laid out the scary man in the bleachers. You not just the idea of being the crow character in the gimmick, if you will, but the way to execute it. And that was 90% you. And that I do remember because I remember sitting, I'm not, and not to sound like I'm high on myself, but it's rare that I sit in front of somebody and listen to them lay out a story or lay out a character in detail and find myself going, holy shit, that is awesome. And I do remember feeling that way, just sitting, I was flying the wall. I wasn't even in the conversation. I was just listening to the conversation and listening to you, you know, explain to Sting, how to be that crow character because it wasn't just changing you know from the happy guy tights to you know the dark scary tights it it he had to change his entire character and that's not that easy to do and i remember you really nurturing that along so i just felt the need to say that well thank you very much eric it's uh it's great to hear people say kind things about me and like i said i i I do think I'm, I think I'm pretty good at this wrestling stuff. Yeah. And, and like I said, like I said, I came up in, in an era where, you know, it, it, it's always been a me business. Like what about me? But we like with the click, it was more of a, we thing like, or like, yeah, I'm going to make sure I get mine, but see, I need everybody on the character to be everybody on the card to be good. So what, you know, what can I do to help? You know, like I'll watch the tag matches and go, you know, let me let me go down here and talk. Like, I can't have you going out in the opening match and killing the crowd off. Right. So let me see. You know, like, I learned that from guys when I broke in in Charlotte. I'll never forget one time Tully Blanchard was waiting for me. I was on, like, first, uh, you know, in front of a pretty big crowd in Charlotte or something. I was so happy with myself. I came through the curtain. And I, at that point, I'm just memorizing moves and trying not to forget them. And uh, I come through, and he goes, he goes, hey, come here, kid. He goes, that one thing you did, that was pretty good. That other thing was fucking horrible. Don't ever do that again. He goes, oh, and uh, he started, I was going, thank you very much, Mr. Blanchard. He started walking away. He goes, oh, don't get it twisted. It's not like I give a shit about you, but I can't have you killing the crowd off before I go out there later. <laughs> we all know that Eric loves coffee. And if you love coffee, drink it the way Eric does in an 83 Weeks coffee mug from boxagimmicks.com the official store of 83 Weeks and all of ad-free show podcasts. Not only are there mugs, but there's hoodies, posters, and more. Or grab a shirt from ericbischoff.com. We have a wide variety of 83 Weeks-inspired gear. So two of the best ways to support the show, grabbing a gimmick from Box of Gimmicks or a shirt from ericbischoff.com. So, I mean, 
to me, like, he wasn't being a dick, but he's going like, look, I don't even know you. You're insignificant. But see, I'm on, I'm one of the matches that was advertised. I'm one of the reason all these people are fucking here and you can't go out there and fuck the whole thing up before I get out there. So it's just like, okay, like, thank you. You know, I like it. I've always said it and in show friends, it's show business. Like I always like to make it clear when I'm talking to guys in a room, a bunch of wrestlers. Okay. Now we're not, I like everybody in here. We're not talking about you personally. Now we're talking about you and what you bring to the table as a wrestling character, you know? So let's all get our heads wrapped around that because I've always been able, able to adjust to that. You know, like, I don't care what you think. Like, a lot of guys don't like me, but they'll work with me. You know, so. Like I've always said, I got my I got my handful of friends. You know, I'm going to pile in the car with these guys after the show and go eat and drink and go to the hotel or do whatever, but I'll be cool. I'm curious to, uh, to hear your thoughts on uh, when, when Waltman is able to come over. It's another... A sort of over character from Vince McMahon's side. Now the majority of the click is here. And whenever Eric and I talk about, Hey, what about this guy? What about that guy? I always come back to arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world back then is, and probably to this day, Shawn Michaels. And Eric always maintains, no, nah, I don't, I don't know that he was ever in serious consideration. Do you remember there ever being a serious push to get Shawn Michaels over and join the NWO? No, Sean signed a strong deal. And like the night of that curtain call, I remember we're all piling in the van. Nobody's hurt. And it, it was Triple H, me, Kev, Sean, I think Justin Credible maybe. And Sean was like going, okay, well, you know, don't you guys come try, come crying, want to come crying, come back up here, and, you know, a couple months after things died out there and all that. And we're thinking, we have no idea what's going to happen in Atlanta. We have no idea it's going to blow up. You know, we know we're getting paid. But, uh, you know, I thought, wow, yeah, this might be it. You know, we like driving through New York and thinking, wow, it's kind of bittersweet. Like, wow, like, you know, I might, I might never be in front of the garden again. I might never be in front of another sold out crowd. Like, wow, this is a big transition, but you know, don't be the mark, get the money. And then the way it ended up working out was just so great. <laughs> like I said before, to have people coming up to you going, thanks, man. Thanks. You know, and, and going, wow, like I, I, I do matter. I did have an impact, you know, it's a dream come true for me. And I kind of got into wrestling to hide my insecurities. You know, I didn't like the real guy. So let me go be this fake guy. You know, I really embrace the fake character. So to have people like he preys on you in reality for what you've done in your fake career, it's a little hard for me to get my head around, but it feels really good. Scott, did you have any conversations with, well, I'm sure you did, but when you talked to Sean, you know, after you came to WCW, then things started turning around, NWO starts rolling, Sean Michaels said, hey, don't come crying, you know, trying to get back here when it crashes. What were your conversations like with, with, with Sean once you started gaining momentum and things started really taking off? Was he curious? Did he? No, I don't. I remember things kind of all of a sudden he was incommunicado. Mm. You know, like he kind of, he kind of threw Triple H on the bus that night at the garden. 
Like Triple H was supposed to get the big push. He was supposed to get the Stone Cold spot. Right. They were they were grooming him for that, but then Vince had to punish somebody. Like I was in Vince's office when Sean came in and, and pitched the curtain slam. I mean the curtain call, and he Vince was finally talking to me about staying. And I'm thinking it's too late. I'm leaving. I'm I'm, leaving. I'm done. And uh, Sean came in and said, "I want to raise you uh, to come out to the ring after the match." And Vince said, "Is it important to you?" He went, "Yeah." He goes, "Well, then make it happen." So I mean, he knew. But I think what happened is then, you know, now the guys are like, trying to bring bring the business down. Like, the guys who are staying are real mad. And I don't know. I'm glad we did it. I didn't, I didn't plan it. That was all Sean's idea. You know, and he was the one staying. But I think, like, it got really heavy. I think there's a famous picture of Sean wearing a, one of the early Outsiders yep. shirts. I think, he, I think he was doing that just to... Just, you know, give him some kind of ammunition with Vince because before, you know, there was a whole carload of us that was kind of think that thought the same way and did the same thing. Now he's kind of thrown one, you know, his last kind of buddy, Triple H, under the ring. So he's there like solo now with like no friends. And, you know, it's alone. It's lonely at the top. And I don't know. I think that's when like he may have started, you know, his, his, uh, pill use and alcohol use may have increased at that time. What are the things that you leave behind in WWF when you make the jump to join the NWO or start the NWO as uh, a quote unquote wrestling genius like Pat Patterson and here on our podcast every week, occasionally Eric Bischoff will come out and say, man, we always needed a, a better finish guy. We needed a guy like Pat Patterson. Can you talk about the importance of Pat and maybe what was missing in WCW? To me, Pat Patterson was such a genius. And, uh, like Vince doesn't allow smoking in the building, but two guys got to smoke Jack Lanza and Pat Patterson. And, uh, thing is too, when Pat, you know, he, he had such a strong relationship with Vince. Like sometimes. You know, I remember before being sitting in Vince's office and he's, Vince is giving me the finish. He's going, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And then all of a sudden Pat would just chime in going, no, 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 you cannot do that. It doesn't make sense. And I remember, I remember one time, you know, it was such a luxury to have somebody so smart as Pat, you know, at your side. And one time, you know, I was wrestling Sean every night, like, I don't know, 30, 40 nights in a row. And man, we're rocking it. And I remember Pat came to us. He goes, you know, every night you guys will have a great match. You have a good match. He goes, but you are the main event. It needs to be a little something extra. So then Sean and I started looking at each other going, wow. Okay. So that's when I almost think it's a little overdone now in today's, today's TV product matches, but it's hard to fault guys for working hard, but everybody does a million false finishes now. Yeah. Like every, you know, and back in the day it was like one or two and then that was it. Now it's like a million, but it's hard to tell guys not because then you get the thing, uh, you hold me down, you hold me down. No, man, I'm just trying to make it make sense. But you know, everybody, I remember there was a time when if anybody was diving out of the ring, it would be one guy, one match. I mean, even when I was there as Razor, 
if anybody jumped over the top rope to the floor like that, man, it wasn't that popular back then, but one guy did it. And it was clear to everybody. The, the agents would go around going, okay, who's doing that? Um, you're not, you know, like now they do it every match, everything. And I just, I realized I'm turning into one of those bitter old timers because now I just, I just sit around and complain about everything I see. <laughs> Why adfreeshows.com? It's simple. It's early and ad-free. Why wait for your favorite shows to drop when you can listen as soon as they stop recording? There's no need to wait. You can access it all before anyone else can. Plus, no ads. No one telling you what to bundle or how to keep that man part standing tall. None of that. It's just straight content from all your favorite hosts, including Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, Kurt Angle, and the rest of the team. That's not all, you also get immediate access to watching their reactions live on video as well. So don't put it off any longer. Do it now. You won't be disappointed. Start enjoying all the podcasts you love early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. Well, let's talk about one of the behind-the-scenes gurus that WCW did have. They didn't have a Pat Patterson, but they did have a Kevin Sullivan. And I've, I've heard a lot of interviews over the years that said that Kevin Sullivan was a genius when it came to quote unquote booking heat. Can you talk about the importance of Kevin Sullivan and his role in, in helping get the NWO to be the hottest angle there ever was? Well, the thing about Kevin too, and Kevin is a really smart guy and he's a great villain. I mean, he's not that big a guy and he worked on top for years and believable. And, uh, but it was great having a heel booker when we were, and we're coming in, we're trying to be heels, you know, half, half. The thing is when Kevin and I went out to just Kevin, and I, people cheered us. When we went out with Hulk, they booed us. When we went out with kid, they would kind of boo us. But the four of us went out and they just booed us, you know, like they, they kind of booed me and Kev cause we were like being Hulk's lackeys. You know, and we were like, uh, yeah, that's right. He's got all the money. Woo. <laughs> like, we don't care. It's, uh, it's pretty remarkable to look back and see the impact the NWO had even all these years later. Do you have like a, a personal highlight when you think back about that run? Cause in the scheme of things, when the NWO was super hot, it's what 96, 97, 98, maybe we can't part of 99. And then it's just not quite the same, but that three or four years forever changed wrestling, but that's from us fans perspective. You were living it. Is there one moment you think back on and think, damn, that was pretty cool. I remember just, it felt really cool when we just went on this sold out track. And then the, you know, this, this, I mean, the reason for the name of Eric's show, like 83 weeks beating the the number one competition that they'd never even competed with on the same level with before. It just felt really cool to be a part of all that stuff. And to go into stadiums, go into arenas and see w, uh, NWO shirts plastered across most of the audience. Like, you know, they, they knew they, they bought our merch, but, and cheered us, but then would boo us when they were supposed to. Like it, it was a crazy fan experience. Like we were heels, but they wanted our autographs, you know, like it just, 
I don't know. I, it was like, for me as a guy who grew up wanting to be a pro wrestler, it was a dream come true. Like who, who doesn't want to be part of the biggest angle in wrestling and be part of the reason for the success? You know, hell put me down for that. <laughs> in fact, I'll take the double, you know, it's just, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was good times being had, you know, by all. I mean, I'm glad everybody enjoyed it. I'm glad people still think about it, still buy the merch. I mean, heck, 25 years later and here we are talking about it you know i always got time to put myself over but i think i've reached my quota for for one day i'm a little over i'm a little over an hour of putting myself over so before i sit here and regurgitate on myself i think i'm gonna tap thanks for having me guys Thank Thank you, Conrad. Absolutely, man. Thank you for joining the show. We appreciate all you did for us. And uh, it's hard to believe it's been 25 years. Thanks for giving us so much time today. Thank you. Well, how about it, Eric? Uh, The bad guy. I love that. And you know what else you can, it was so fun listening to you two and, and cause you are a fan. Yeah. I mean, you're a businessman. You, you obviously have made all of us that are involved with you, you know, uh, uh, successful in the podcasting business through you, uh, you run a big business and you, how many hours of wrestling do you talk a week? Probably 15 to 20 hours of podcasting alone. And to hear you as a fan talking to Scott, because I could hear in your voice, you're kind of reliving some of the things sure. that you remembered as a fan and he's reliving it in a way that a lot of guys don't, you know, a lot of guys don't really enjoy talking about wrestling in the same way that Scott did in that interview. So listening to you two together was kind of, I was just fun to sit back and listening, man. I, I, it's just hard to believe that, uh, you know, Scott is really one of the great wrestling minds and he's, he's not actively in the business. He's not working behind the scenes for WWE. He's not working behind the scenes for AEW. And a lot of people at a time like this would say, well, why not? And, and, and my attitude would be, he gets to do what he wants to do, which is enjoy the good times, reminisce about the good times. And as you can hear with all these bookings this weekend and still doing well into the six figures, just on merch sales for stuff he did 25 years ago, what a legacy he built for himself. Uh, Scott Hall has won at wrestling. I mean, he's, he's, he's got a great quality of life. Without all the hassle and the politics and the BS and the nonsense, I couldn't be happier that, that his story is going to have such a happy ending. It, it really does. And you know, the not to keep beating the same drum, but you know, when people see him out there this weekend, uh, he loves being out there with the fans. He really enjoys it. Now I, I think it's fair to say 20 years ago, 25 years ago, uh, maybe not as much because it was it was a lot more work for him, especially when he was in WWE. You heard him talking about it, you know, doing all the, the charity things and the non-paid appearances and you're on the road 300 days a year. It gets to be physically and emotionally really, really draining. And, and it's hard to enjoy it. But I think Scott's reached that point in his life now. And I could hear it in his voice. I, I love, you know, listening to Scott when he's talking about certain eras of wrestling, because you can hear the joy in his voice. And now rather than sitting at home and, you know, talking to himself about wrestling, he gets to go out and, you know, interact with, with people that are just as excited to see him, you know, as he is to see them. And it's fun to watch. It's, it's, I can't put it over enough. 
and I can't brag on Scott enough. Um, I think Scott's probably one of the more misunderstood personalities in wrestling. Uh, you know, obviously he's, uh, had his challenges in his day, but Lord who, who amongst us hasn't, uh, but there is still this, this narrative that anytime or not anytime, but occasionally you'll hear, oh, well, Scott, I'm here to tell you, if you're a promoter listening to this, I've done business with Mr. Hall. I don't know, six, seven times, phenomenal experience. Every time loves the fans, gives them more than their money's worth. Tremendous to do business with. Uh, he is really one of the great success stories of, of professional wrestling uh, of perseverance, of positivity, uh, of not taking things too seriously. I mean, you can just tell in the tone of his voice and just the way he approached this entire experience. We just did, you know, he's appreciative of the good times and he doesn't really sweat the bad times. It's, it's a great attitude to have. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And it was interesting because again, all the years I knew Scott, I didn't know where we really broke in or how we broke in. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to ask him about it because it wasn't necessarily the theme of the show. But, man, I remember as a young man in Minneapolis before I went to work for Vern, you know, watching Scott Hall and Kurt Henning together. And you talk about a tag team. Oh, gosh. Those two guys together. And they were still very, I mean, Scott was obviously green. He'd only been in the business a few years. I think Kurt probably not much more than him at the time. So they were still very, very young, but man, could they work. And they were such a great, I mean, the chemistry was so perfect. It's funny to think too, you know, how it's all such a small world. I think as the legend goes, you know, Tony Schiavone is actually calling baseball for the Crockett family there in Charlotte. And that's where he first meets Scott Hall. Now, again, Tony Schiavone's not calling wrestling. Tony Schiavone's calling baseball. And he meets Scott Hall, not at wrestling, but Scott is working on the grounds at Crockett field because Scott too wants to get in the business, but he knows that this family of promoters also have the baseball stadium. And now all these years later, 25 years prior to now, Scott Hall's going to walk down with Tony Schiavone on commentary and change wrestling forever. And here they both were on a Turner station. Crockett's are no longer in power. Jim's out of the business. Of course, David's still here. They're setting up the set, which we've recently talked about. And now they're not calling, you know, balls and strikes and they're not worried about, is there a rain delay? They're helping shape wrestling history that we're still talking about all these years later. It's just a fascinating story. It is. When you step back, time is a really funny thing. You know, when you step back and you try to put it in context, so many things have happened. You know, and changed and over the over the years. But what's most interesting is to watch the the dynamics of the personalities. And, and like Tony Schiavone is still calling action today for a Turner for a Turner Network. It's just, and he was a guy that a couple of years ago said, "I'll never work in wrestling again. I'm done. I, I never want to go back." And now here he is, front and center, having the time of his life. And we hope you guys are having a time of your life. Uh, if you haven't already, we want to encourage you to check out adfreeshows.com. I know you probably get tired of us plugging that, but I just want to briefly run down what we've got on the docket this week. We've got a live Q and a with Kurt angle. We've got a live Q and a with baby doll. That's right. The Jim Crockett promotions, baby doll. The one that we've been talking about every single week on Tony Schiavone's podcast. And of course there's a live Q and a with you this week, all at adfreeshows.com. What a week it is. 
It is busy indeed. The summer is heating up over at AdFreeShows.com. And of course, don't forget, each and every week you get to hear For the Heat, the local radio show that we do here in Cody, Wyoming. But uh, we post it up over at AdFreeShows.com. And the uh, last couple of weeks we've been in two-hour marathons, but they've been fun marathons with a lot of uh, a lot of fans from AdFreeShows call in. They get to kind of a priority treatment, <clears throat> if you will. And uh, we get a chance to chat with some people that, uh, that are part of Ed free. It's a blast. Yeah. I just want to mention briefly, uh, we're doing a weekly radio show KODI. You can listen anywhere in the world at ForTheHeat.com. Uh, it's a two hour program. And uh, while AEW schedule is a little bit in flux because of the NBA playoffs, why not spend some time with us? You can actually pick Eric's brain about all things, professional wrestling. We've recently talked about the rumored uh, sale of WWE, all of the layoffs, all the signings, all the releases and everything in between. We don't really talk about current wrestling stuff here on 83 weeks. It's all about nostalgia, but that's not the case at ForTheHeat.com every single Wednesday. And, uh, Eric, I don't know what I expected today with our Scott hall interview, but it far exceeded all of my expectations. And I'm excited for us to keep the train on the tracks and continue talking about all things NWO. Uh, you and I have chatted a little bit offline and online about what we're planning to do with the rest of the year. And we're going to celebrate as much of this 25th anniversary of the NWO as possible. And if you're thinking what I'm thinking, we're going to have some fun. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Hell yeah. We're going to have fun. And I think, you know, be, be, between now and July 6th, because that was really, you know, Scott Hall was the tip of the spear. You know, yes. shortly thereafter came Kevin Nash. And then we had, you know, a couple of weeks we had to wait to find out who the third man was going to be, which is I, I also think is one of the strongest components of the story. A, a strong, not one of the strongest, but a very strong component of the story, was, which was the mystery and the anticipation. And, and certainly Bash at the Beach is when, you know, the brand was born for the very first time, at least in a promo by Hulk Hogan. But between now and, and July 6th or 7th, whatever it was, uh, of this year, don't be surprised if you get real surprised. Let's just leave it at that. Let's do leave it at that. And I want to mention, we've got, uh, a very special watch along where well, you and I are going to actually watch bash at the beach from 1996, the day before the anniversary, it'll be July 5th. So I know 4th of July is always a big deal in the Bischoff household. I'm sure this year will be no exception, but I'll, I'll stay sober. I promise. <laughs> July the 5th, it's coming your way. A live watch along of uh, bash at the beach with both myself and Eric Bischoff, the creator of the NWO. And uh, who knows, we may have a big surprise in between there, but uh, tell your friends about us, uh, sort of breaking the rules, man. We, uh, we broke them just like the NWO did throughout the rule book, had a guest on, and it was a medium sized guest, right? Now, I think that was the joke. Uh, He's the big mang and I'm the medium sized mang. Our medium sized surprise was actually a pretty damn big surprise today. Yeah, it was, was going to be a fun couple of weeks, but two time hall of famer, Scott hall. Can't thank him enough. Of course, we're going to keep up with everything going on in his career as uh, the days play out and we'll keep up with all things NWO right here on 83 weeks. Love to have your follow on Twitter at 83 weeks. He is at E Bischoff. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. Love talking about my friend, Steven Singer. You know, the competition really hates him. He makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. 
Steven is the very first to offer each and every guest the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the person next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The person next to you may be paying less. Do you want an important purchase like diamond jewelry to be based on your negotiating skills? Not the case at Steven Singer. Because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. It makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. Check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Oh, hey, real quick, I wanted to tell you what Matthew in Pennsylvania wrote. I had a great experience at SaveWithConrad.com. I worked with Derek, and he quickly answered any questions I had. Being able to text him directly made things so much easier than having to wait on phone calls or schedule meetings at the bank. Being able to do everything from home was extremely convenient. I was in a tough spot with the pandemic going on, but it looks like everything is going to work out for me just in time. I would definitely recommend Conrad and his team to anyone looking for mortgage help. How can we help you? You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but you do need 10 minutes at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. We're licensed in more than 40 states, and you even get to skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.